Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Right, so last week uh, I wasn't here, but uh, Greg got us started in a new series called God's Facebook. Uh, I got to listen to it uh, on the podcast. It was great. Uh, The one thing that I didn't get to see, though, as Greg asked, is who actually has and goes on Facebook. If you do Facebook, can you put your hand up for me? It's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. Nice and high. There we go. Great. So most of you will understand what I'm going to talk about today. I might, I might have to explain a few little bits just to help you understand the context of what we're talking about. So bear with me if you, if you fully understand Facebook. There are probably people in here who make me seem like a complete amateur. But for those who don't do Facebook, I might need to just help you understand a few things. Um, so in Facebook, uh, you have this profile. You put a nice picture up of yourself. And you give a little bit of a blurb about who you are. And uh, there's uh, a banner that you can also put behind your profile picture. And I guess in that picture, you can use the opportunity to show people what is important to you. Like, I have got a f- picture of my family. So, but you might have a saying or whatever it may be. Um, and then running down the center of the screen is what's called a timeline. And that timeline reflects posts of people that you are friends with. Okay? because you have to invite people to be your friend, um, and hopefully they accept. Um, and then, so in that post, your friends, or in that timeline, your, your, your friends' posts are, and whenever you post something, it goes in there. And it's basically chronological. Every time something adds, the rest moves down, okay? Everyone with me so far? Yes, very good. Now, most of us are pretty careful about the pictures that we put up of ourselves, aren't we? Yes? And you can be honest, I know that there are some people that will be like, taking 15 photos, getting the right angle, the right lighting, and uh, then you go into all your filters and you put these filters over the top to make yourself look awesome. Because in effect, you're trying to present the best of you, aren't you? Um, And then most of us are pretty careful about the things that we say in our timeline. Some of us are not so worried, and some of us cause other people's jaws to drop. Uh, But we're we're pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? When we put up a post, we're careful to convey what we believe as a worldview, or what we're saying, or what we think about things, because it's basically public, you know? All your friends can see what you say on there, And then the friends of your friends, when they look at their timelines, might see your post there. And it can get right out there amidst people that you have no idea. So we're pretty careful about what we say about ourselves, what we we say we like, aren't we? Because I don't know if you've observed Facebook at all. Uh, it, It seems that people become a different animal when they're sat behind a screen and behind a keyboard. And they say things that they would never say if they were face to face with you. Amen. So we're pretty careful because you can get smashed out there in the cyber sphere by people who comment on your comments. Um, So we're we're pretty careful. And I, I think that, again, we also like to talk about the highlights in our lives, don't we? we? We don't want to talk about the drama, although some people love to talk about their drama. 
And there are people out there who make these ambiguous statements like, can you believe it? <laughs> and it's like they've got their fishing rod and they're casting it way out into the cybersphere or whatever you want to call it to see who's going to bite and say, what's up? Okay, they're fishing for all sorts of attention or what have you. But we generally don't like to talk about the rubbish. We like to talk about the highlights. So like, if you look at my nice banner picture in the background, you'll see the Tower of Pisa in there, which is like amazing. You know, I went on holiday to Italy, praise God, this summer. And I'm putting an awesome photo up there rather than me, a picture of us sat in front of some arbitrary bush in the garden, you know. What I'm trying to say is, when you look at people's timelines, they're pretty sterilized, aren't they? I don't know about you. Mine, I don't tell you everything that goes on in my life. Some people like to talk about every coffee they have, or every bite that they've put in their mouth of food. There's a picture of it, and there's, look, this is what I'm wearing today. Look, these are my underpants, whatever it is. I'm, I'm pretty careful about what I want people to know about me. And I'm sure that most of you, on a scale, are similar. Most of us here, it's important to us what people think about us. If you're honest, again on a scale from 1 to 10, there are some people who have no care in the world what the world thinks about them. And then there are those who are so super conscious, they're super careful, and then most of us probably fall in the middle. Amen. And we're really careful to try and portray the person that we think people want to see because it's important to us what people think. You know, and it's important to us what people are saying in the comments. I don't know if you've ever noticed, you've put up something that you, you love and you're really excited about and some grumpy person writes something about and in your heart you're like, what's wrong with you? you know? <laughs> they even give you these options because you know when you're typing text it's really difficult to see what a person's face is like you know most of communication is expression as well it's not just the words you use so they have these things called like emojis I know I'm blowing some of your brains out here but most of you know what I'm talking about so if someone posts a comment and you like it you can press the like button and you get a little thumbs up Right? If you love what someone's posted, you can press the right little button and a lovely little heart comes up. You know, it's an expression. Uh, if you think something's funny, you can put the laughing face on there, the ha-ha. If you're like, can't believe it, you can put the little wow, little expressive face. There's, what else is There's the crying one, oh, I'm so sorry. And then there's the really grumpy face. You know, people can respond with these pictures as well. And it, I don't know if you've found it's easy with texts or with social media when you're not sitting before someone to be not sure how someone is conveying themselves or saying something and you're thinking inside, hmm, I don't know what I think about that. Are they happy with me? Are they upset with me? These are the complications of social media. The point is, it's important to us what people think what people say, and how people are feeling about us. And I find that whenever we put, well, like for me, when I put posts up, I'm interested to see how people are responding, you know? What they're thinking, what they're saying, how are they reacting. I want you to imagine now for a moment. Some of us are going to freak out right now. Imagine your life went live on Facebook. 
just think about this for a moment. Unfiltered, real time. The things you do, I mean like everything. The things you're thinking, I mean everything. The things that you say, everyone can see it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about one post a day, if you're an average Facebook. I'm talking about moment by moment. Your timeline is whizzing down. And people can see the real you. The real you. Unfiltered. Unsterilized. How many of you are freaking out right now inside at the thought of this reality? It's scary, amen? To see or to know that people see everything you do, know everything you think, hear everything you say. Just imagine now what your family would be thinking at some of the things that you do say or think. Or your friends at some of the things you do say or think. Your teachers or your bosses. Nothing hidden whatsoever. It's pretty scary, hey? I think even the most I don't care people what, what people think about me person will be freaking out right now. Well, what I want to tell you today is it's happening. Did you know? The Bible says that in heaven... Everything you do is being recorded. It's like heavenly CCTV. It's being recorded. And God sees absolutely everything. Even though we aren't aware of other people around us knowing these things. God, it's just like all in His vision. It's all, it's all in His hearing. It's right in front of him. No matter the darkest little corner that you go to, it's like bright daylight for him because he sees everything and he knows everything. It says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, listen to this. Sorry, this is a little bit, it gets better. <laughs> Revelation 20, verse 12 says, And I saw the dead. This is talking about the day of judgment now. Great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. It doesn't say how many books, but I'm telling you, it's a massive library right now. Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the Bible says the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Every moment of your life is being recorded Luke chapter 12, verses 2 to 3. If you thought it was going to be kept secret, I'm sorry to say. Verse 2 says, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs or the rooftops. Your whole life is being recorded and one day every detail is going to be exposed. I just, I'm trying to belabor this point so that you get it, okay? There's nothing secret about what happens in our lives. Now, if you've ever wondered about what other people are thinking about you, I wonder if you're like me, you've ever found yourself 
like as the timeline of your life is unfolding, there are periods where you sit and you're thinking, if I wonder what God thinks about me right now. I wonder what he feels about me right now. What little emoji icon would he be posting in response to what he sees and hears and knows of me? Do you find yourselves thinking that? Does anybody ever wonder what God's thinking about them? (laughs) You are now, that's right. And then what you actually think God's response is towards you, how is that affecting the way that you relate to him right now? Because that's really important. Amen. Like, if someone says something about something that I liked on Facebook and it was a little bit harsh and I couldn't see their face, in my heart there would be this little, hmm, what's up with them? And that would affect the way that I relate to them until I am able to resolve that issue. Amen. And so our life timeline is going on now, and you are honest with yourself. I know you are. You can, you can sterilize your life and present something to other people, but you know you. You know the real you. You know what goes on inside your head. You know what goes on inside your heart. You are a witness to everything that you do in the secret place. And if you're honest, you're thinking, that's not what God wants right? What I want to talk about today is very much to this point, this idea that what we think people or how people are relating to us determines how we relate to them. And what, do I, what I think God thinks about me actually determines how I relate to him. If he's angry with me and he just wants to whack me, I'm going to spend my life running away. Amen. But if I realize actually he loves me, and that he's for me, hmm, maybe I could come closer to him. So I want to talk about that today. I want to talk uh, just one verse from the book of Zephaniah. Uh, Zephaniah is a minor prophet. Um, he, it's a very short book. It's only three chapters long. It won't take you long at all to read it. Uh, the majority, just to give you some background of this book, is God telling the prophet to tell the people... I'm going to be coming back one day and you guys are going to get judged because of the way you're living. And he's talking about all the different people living here and there and what the judgment is going to mean to them. And it's basically saying, guys, for your sin and for your pride, you're going to be destroyed. These people are going to come and whack you and blah, 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 blah. But then right at the end, the tone changes. And that's where I want us to focus today. And I want to read it for you uh, from Zephaniah chapter 3. Um, verse, let's just focus on the verse we're going to talk about. Verse 17. This is what it says. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love... He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God has been talking to what's called a remnant. People who have responded humbly, in a sense, to the friendship request of God. Uh, They've been humble, they've been obedient, and he's saying, out of all these people that are going to be destroyed because of the way that they've lived, there's a group of you who have a different heart in you, 
who have responded differently to me. And these are the people that he's talking to right now. And I want us to take a few moments to have a look at this verse. I just want to break it down phrase by phrase because I want you to know today what God thinks about you and how he responds to you. Because I want that to affect the way that you think about God. And I want that to affect the way that you respond to God. Amen. I want to try and dispel maybe some lies that the devil is putting in your head. You know, we're a very performance-orientated society. We accept people who do well and who we like. Amen. But God has a different standard, and I want to talk about that today. So, you might be in the group of people who feel like your life is a disappointment to the Lord that your past has just prevented you from getting anything good from the Lord. You are the kind of person, perhaps, who sins and just thinks you've chased God away. He's not going to be around you anymore. And the first phrase that Zephaniah uses here when he, he speaks to this remnant of people, he says, the Lord your God is with you. God is with you, right? If you are a Christian... The Bible says the presence of God is guaranteed within you. He is with you. He never leaves you. Amen? You know, sometimes we pray, um, and the sentiment behind the prayer is good. It's like, Lord, come and be with us today. As we meet with you, we invite you to be with us. Um, and basically, I think what that prayer is saying is, I'm surrendered to you, God, and I'm opening up my heart. Because the reality is that God never left. He's always with his people. He lives among his people. And his promise to us, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 31 verse 6 says, The Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, God says, I'm with you. Even when you blow it. Even when you think your behavior is disappointing. I don't move back. I don't step back. I don't harden my heart to you. I don't put a barrier between us. I'm with you. I'm with you. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, which means if we act in an unbelieving way, he remains faithful. It says, for he cannot disown himself. That's a bit of a weird phrase, but what it actually means is he's faithful. He can't be anything else. He's faithful. He's with you. It's good news. Amen. Zephaniah goes on to say and describes God as the mighty warrior who saves. Now obviously Zephaniah is looking ahead because Jesus hasn't come yet. And he's talking about Jesus. I mean, he didn't, the, the Jews were expecting him to come as this mighty warrior king that just smashes everybody and reestablishes God rule, God's rule. But Jesus came as a baby to serve, to seek and serve the lost, the Bible says. So he didn't come packaged like the Jews expected. But in essence, what his life would result in was victory. Amen. So the Bible talks about him as the mighty warrior who saves. He's strong and brave, a mighty man who has come to rescue you and I from our sin. That's amazing. 
But he comes to rescue us too in our everyday lives. What are the troubles that you're facing right now? What are the challenges that you're facing in your life? Do they feel like insurmountable mountains for you? Do you feel like life is just going to crush you? The Bible says that God is a mighty warrior who fights for you, who is always victorious. The Bible says there is nothing too difficult or hard for him to do. And he's for you. Amen. That's good news. God is on your side. Even when you act like a plonker. He is still on your side. Even when you are faithless, he is still on your side. When you commit that sin that you've committed time and time again after saying, God, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. He is still for you. And his ability to bring breakthrough in your life has not changed whatsoever. He is able and he is with you and he is for you. Amen. In spite of that timeline of your life unfolding, he's still a mighty warrior that can save you out of every circumstance. The third part says that he will take great delight in you. I know some of you are sitting here right now and you're thinking, why would God take great delight in me? Because I know me. You maybe don't know the real me, but I know me. How can God be delighted with me? It's true. Some of you have are aware probably of the really tragic stuff that's been going on in Italy at the moment with the earthquake. I was trying to think of a picture to try and convey this idea of how God takes great delight in you. And, and I thought about the image of devastated ruins, buildings collapsed, and rescue teams urgently trying to find people trapped underneath all the rubble. I don't know if you watched the footage of that little girl, I think her name was Julia, who after 15 hours of being trapped underneath the rubble was pulled out of the rubble. Now, she was rescued by people who didn't know her from Adam. But when you see them pull her out of the ground, every one of them is cheering taking great delight in the fact that she has been rescued, rescued from death, delighted with this little girl. And I want you to know that in spite of all that you have been through and all perhaps that you are guilty of, God delights in your rescue. There's nothing more beautiful to God than your rescue. And he doesn't just say, oh well, they're sorted. Let's forget about them now. They just join the rest of the crowd. He doesn't stop taking great delight in you. Even right now, he's looking at you and delighting in you. If you feel like a failure today, if you feel broken and unable to be this person that you think God wants you to be. You just need to rest and know God is delighted with you. He is delighted. You need to hear that truth right now. If you are 
cycling any other conversation around in your head about what you think God thinks about you, if it doesn't say that he is delighted in you, it's a lie. And I'm praying that God will enable you to break through in such a way that you'll believe that truth, because it's true. It's true. You need to be free from the lie that you are disappointing to the Lord, that you're a failure, that he can't use you, that you've missed the boat, as it were. All rubbish. God delights in you. Uh, part four talks about this idea that he will quiet you with his love. I love that picture. You know, when we understand that God is a holy God and, and he, he, believe, he wants us to live holy lives and, and we mess up and our timeline is full of rubbish, we can, we can feel this unsettledness inside of us that we're at odds with the Lord. But this picture for me is a beautiful picture. Those of you who have ever seen little children, when they hurt themselves or they've done something and they're distressed, you know, a stranger can go to them and say, oh, can I help you? And that means nothing. They still cry and they're shouting. But when their mom or their dad comes along, they run to them and the dad scoops them up or the mom scoops them up and holds them to their chest and said, it's okay, it's okay. And the child just quietens down calms down because the child is in a safe place. He knows their mummy and their daddy love them. Their mummy and daddy is going to protect them, going to look after them. This is this picture of God. He wants to quiet you with his love. He doesn't want to chase you with his truncheon. He's not looking to thrash you from corner to corner of the globe. He wants to scoop you up. Look at the picture of the prodigal son. Do you remember? The prodigal son took his inheritance early in life. His dad wasn't dead yet, but he said, I want my inheritance, like he was wishing his dad was dead. He went away to a foreign land. He lived a horrendous lifestyle, squandered all of his money, ended up eating with pigs, and he came to his senses, the Bible said, and said, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? I could be at home with my dad. And he goes back to his father, and, and you know in his mind, he's rehearsing his speech to his dad, saying, Dad, I'm really sorry, I blew it, I was such an idiot, I'm sorry I did this, I'm sorry I said that, I'm sorry I acted in this way. And he, he's trembling. He doesn't know if his dad's going to receive him back. But the Bible shows us that his father was looking for him. Looking, looking, looking. Not busy with other stuff. Oh, I see you're back. Hmm. What are you doing here? The father is there, eagerly looking out for his son. And when he sees his son coming back, the Bible says that he runs. It's not the done thing, but he hitches up his tunic and he runs and he scoops his son up in his arms and he just loves on him. God wants to quiet you with his love today. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or where you're at right now. He just wants to hold you close. That's who he is. And the part, part five is an amazing, amazing part of this verse. It says, he will rejoice over you with singing. Did you ever, ever imagine that God would sing? Hey? He sings songs about you. He sings songs over you. That just is amazing. 
And that little word that we spell out, rejoice, is so mute. In the original language, that talks about whoops of joy. You know when you're at a football match and your team score, it's tight, it's tense, it's down to the last minute. You score and you win the game. Man, you just erupt in shouts and jumping and dancing and cheering. That's what that word rejoice means, folks. That's what God thinks about you. That's how he feels about you. He doesn't just delight in you. He celebrates your presence. Because he created you. He made you. And he loves you with an unbelievable love that doesn't depend on your behavior, but depends completely on Jesus' sacrifice for you. God dances and spins around and shouts, shouts of joy, and in those shouts of joy, he shouts your name. He celebrates you. That, I think, is going to make some of your brains wrinkle because you've grown up with this idea of God being a stern and a distant and a miserable old man who's just disappointed all the time. But it, you could not be further from the truth. He loves you unbelievably. Now, as I draw to a close today, I want to talk about one more book. We're talking about Facebook. We're talking, we've talked about the books the books where everything is written down. There's one really important book that I want to talk about as I finish today, and it's called The Lamb's Book of Life. Now, when you, well, let's look at that scripture again. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 12, it says, And I saw the dead, this is at the end, everyone is stood before the Lord for judgment. And it says, standing before, before the throne, and books were opened, all these millions of books, billions of books that have recorded every moment of our lives are all flipped open. And every one of us, one by one, would stand before the throne and stand before judgment. And all these books will be read out. And it's like evidence against us. And it's overwhelming. Let me tell you, you can't be good enough to get away with it. All right. It says, books were opened. And then it says, another book was opened, which is the book of life. It goes on to say that the dead, meaning those who were outside of a relationship with God, those who had, regret, who had rejected his friendship request, they were judged according to what was written in the books, the many books. Okay? But those who have accepted God's friendship request, who have a relationship... Well, let me tell you what happens, right? When you're at that point, when you encounter God and you come right with God, and he says, man, my friendship request is there. There's a little red icon with a number one on your timeline, and every time you click on it, it doesn't go away. It's a friendship request from God. Yes? You can't reject it. It stays there, okay? Because that's how he is. He doesn't go away when you reject him. But when you click on that button and you say accept, let me tell you what happens. Your name gets written into the Lamb's Book of Life. Simultaneously, the books, where the chapters and chapters and chapters of rubbish 
from your timeline have been recorded, it just goes invisible. You are deleted out of those books. Your past is gone. They're blank pages. Where your name used to be written, where your story was recorded, just flipping the pages of nothingness. And all that is reflected about you is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is the secret. We accept the friendship request of God. Our names get written into his Lamb's Book of Life where Jesus' blood, his sacrifice on the cross, covers all of our sin, washes us white, makes us whole. We become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what happens. Those pages go clear because Jesus' blood just washes them clear. There's no evidence anymore against you. When God looks for evidence, he sees Jesus. He sees you hidden in Christ and he welcomes you in. Isn't that amazing? Folks, we're going to draw to a close right now, but I wonder if we can all close our eyes and just bow our heads. Bronnie, maybe if you can come up, that would be awesome. I want to ask you today, you might be a visitor and you just thought you were coming to church today. You maybe enjoyed worship, maybe you didn't enjoy it. Maybe you thought the people were welcoming, maybe you didn't, I don't know. But the fact is that you're here right now and you've heard God's word and you know that your name is not written in that book of life. You know that you've been striving to try and be a somebody and you just keep failing because you can't win. God is extending a hand of friendship to you today. He is requesting that you become his friend. If that's you today and you've never crossed that line of faith, you've never said, I'm choosing right now to believe in what Jesus has done for me. If that's you, I want to pray a prayer with you right now. And as I pray this prayer, I want you to wrap your heart around it and say, that's my prayer, James, because this is a prayer between you and God and you and God only. While our eyes are bowed and our, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to pray for you. You want to come right with the Lord. You want your past, all that trash, to be washed away. You want a new start. You want hope in your life. If that's you today, just pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your amazing love that in spite of all my rebellious and prideful ways, you still choose to love me and you have never stopped pursuing me. Well, today, Lord, I want to say I'm not running from you anymore. I choose you, God. I accept your sacrifice for me, Lord Jesus. I accept that you are God, that you died to set me free. And right now, I choose life in all its fullness with you. I acknowledge that you're the one who saves. I acknowledge today 
that you are the Lord of my life. I choose to put you first. I repent of my sins, Lord. Forgive me, God. Thank you that you have, in this moment, forgiven me and set me free and given me life. Lord, I pray that you will help me from this day forward to understand more about you, to understand more about the Bible, and to learn how to live a life that puts a never-ending smile on your face, God. Help me, Lord, to be one who reaches others for you so that they can know what I now know. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.